Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go Billy Up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, there are teams that are overlooked. It happens every year. I'm talking about that squad that makes the playoffs and come so close, but their window closes quickly. The 1980 and 81 Buffalo Bills were one of those teams. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. It's Tuesday. I'm tired, y'all. I have my papers. I'm ready. Uh, Very exciting show. Uh, Let's get to it. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals. It's cool. You already know this stuff. Congratulations. Cookies for everybody. Uh, But there's always someone who doesn't. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to enlighten, teach, and learn. Yes, it is the Behind the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. The show is presented by Billy Up Sports, the Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. Go to BillyUpSports.com, click on it, read the stories, listen to the shows, not just mine, but yeah, especially mine, but listen to the shows. We got a lot of content out there, great content creators. You can catch all of our shows, whether they're live or pre recorded, on our home base of Spreaker, also the favorites. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. So, all right, we're just going to go right to it. Um, Let's go to the rundown. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Week 9, Thursday Night Football. Okay, not a whole lot to say there. Uh, I was watching the game, and it's the Eagles at the Texans. And for a while, I mean, I had missed some of the first quarter. And it just seemed like, okay, this is going to be one of those games because the Texans are hanging in there. And, of course, I mean, the better team won at the end. What, the Eagles finished them off. It was 29-17. to 17, But it was tied up at 14 at halftime. And the, I mean, Houston was showing some fight. But, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, 
and uh, Miles Sanders, those guys, they they ran the football. They, they did what they do on offense, and they are still the only undefeated team in the NFL at a no. So then we move to Sunday, the morning slate, Colts at the pass. Okay, Frank Wright got fired. We know this, all right? Quarterback, that's the issue. That is the issue. I, I can't help but think, and I do think about Matt LaFleur every single time because everybody was, they was upset and they were questioning, okay, Matt LaFleur, you know, he got that job so quickly. And of course they had some instant success. Why? Aaron Rodgers. Now Aaron Rodgers isn't playing so well. We'll get to them in a minute, but I just think what's going to happen to some of these coaches after their quarterback is gone? Can they find another one? Can they coach up another one? Bill Belichick, he's doing a pretty good job there in New England. That just shows, I mean, understand the championship level. I mean, everybody can't get back to exactly the championship level because that doesn't last very long. Okay, look at the history of the NFL. If you listen to this show, you know that. But Frank Wright, he had quarterback issues. Since Andrew Luck retired, just imagine if Luck was still there. I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, they've had Jacoby Brissett. Phillip Rivers actually got them to the playoffs. Carson Wentz, they tried that. That didn't last but a year. And then Matt Ryan, he's already on the bench, uh, you know, riding that pine. And he got hurt in the process and leaving Nashville. So, I mean, uh, Sam Ellinger, you know, they're trying him out now. And he got sacked nine times in that uh, that beatdown in New England, 26-3. And Mac, Mac and Cheese, Mac Jones, he's healing up. The ankle's looking better and better. And they do have a pretty good, you know, backup in Bailey Zappi. So, I mean, New England, they're doing their thing. He's he's moving on. But, I mean, Frank Reich, they need a quarterback. They needed a quarterback. But, I mean, he's gone now. And, I understand, yeah, there's a lot of fallout. you got to now hire a coach that Jeff Saturday, love him. Nothing against him. But you had guys on that staff that had more, you know what I mean? They have more uh, experience. That he's never coached, you know, on this level, obviously. But, I mean, they're going to do it. Ursay says, Jim Ursay says, I'm glad he didn't have any experience. Okay. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts without a quarterback. Chargers at Falcons. Funny moment for me. The Falcons are driving. Drake London, the you know, the great rookie that was the first receiver taken in the draft, he catches the ball, turns it back inside, and Khalil Mack just debos London and took the ball from him. One of two things, though. Either Khalil Mack is just that slow, or he was just instantly tired just he was tired instantly when he took the ball and went to rough like was he not was he did he hear a whistle that's how slow he was running almost like okay i'm just gonna trot anyway so i mean the falcons they're fighting every week and it's it's pretty good to see the way that that team plays and i mean it just didn't last long enough and the chargers on the other hand you're thinking that they have taken another level up, but then they have all these injuries. They're missing both their starting receivers. Keenan Allen, man, this guy, uh, he he's he's turning into a uh, you know wet tissue paper, man. You get him wet, and he's probably gonna be hurt. That hamstring ain't right. I think that's what it is, right? Uh, then there's Mike Williams. You see, he go down. He went down what two weeks ago. I mean, it's just really Herbert and Austin Eckler, and then that that defense. And I mean, a lot of injuries across the league. And you can see how it's affecting these offenses. But Dicker's the kicker. He he gets signed and kicks a game-winning field goal. And the Falcons, they go down again. <laughs> at the, at the, this time, they're the recipients 
of a game-winning field goal uh, on the wrong end of that. Oh, well. Dolphins at the Bears. I know the Bears lost. I understand this. I know this. But that offense in Justin Fields is coming through. I think they understand who they are. Uh, the best way for them to move the football is to get this guy out, you know, let him run a little bit, let him throw a little bit, and they'll be better once they, you know, continue this offense. There's something that's going where they can actually have some more weapons to throw to. I know, uh, was it uh, Cole Komet? Is that his name? The tight end? I always forget that guy. Uh, he caught two touchdown passes Sunday, and... He's lighting up the fantasy boards all of a sudden. Now he's a favorite. I got to go get Cole Kmet. You know, but, I mean, we'll see what happens other than uh, Darnell Mooney. And I'm, I want to retire Montgomery at running back. I'm like, golly. I mean, I can't get anything out of this guy. But 178 yards rushing breaks the single game record. Uh, Michael Vick's record. Good job. Good job by you, Justin Fields. I know you have to throw the football. I mean, they do need some help. The Miami Dolphins on the other side, I mean, there's no doubt. Two is the man. Uh, remember those quarterback questions? Sometimes all you need is more weapons and, and some time, okay? Let people, you know, let them progress. We're just so quick to put a guy in a microwave and want him to hurry up and be good, like, just, like, instantly. I don't understand that. I really don't understand that. But, I mean... It is what it is. It's the kind of, well, especially with the money and all. Yeah, they get paid so much money. Well, sometimes that money is not going to equal, you know, that instant success. It's just not. You're going to keep doing the turnover thing. But we want to rush people. But it does help. We have Jalen Waddle, And then you have Tyreek Hill, who's on pace for over 2,000 yards receiving for the season. That's pretty good. Panthers at Bengals. No Jamar Chase. No problem. Not a whole lot we got to say about this. Joe Mixon Show. Or the Joe to Joe Show. 35 to nothing lead at the half and I'm so glad on one of my fantasy teams I had Joe Nixon. Uh, Joe Mixon had 55 points for me. Thank you and, and um, yeah I think they got the book on your boy at quarterback so I mean the Carolina Panthers I mean he does need more time. Me and one of my buddies we was talking about that today we finally we, we didn't see each other Monday talking about my man Ken Johnson who used to play for the Bills we talk football all the time, um, but uh, I mean, they, he needed more time. Baker Mayfield came in and, and kind of like garbage time, but <laughs> you know, PJ Walker is going to need a little bit more time. Maybe he, maybe he's not that guy. Maybe he is. But what did I just get through saying? Sometimes you need some time as well as weapons. But there you go. Packers at Lions. A desperate team is a dangerous team, even if it's for one game. Even if it's just one game. Detroit was more desperate than Green Bay. And they got that W against Green Bay at home. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I can't put all the blame on him, but it's hard to not, you know, the guy threw three picks in the red zone. Of course, the AFC North, not AFC, the uh, NFC North numbers, you know, he 2020 and 2021, he threw no picks in the red zone. And now he's got all these picks this year. And it's, it's it, it was pitiful. I mean, it was it was really really bad. And um, I mean, there's no defense for that <laughs> because I just got through talking about Aaron Glenn. He's the defensive coordinator, you know, former NFL cornerback for the Jets. Uh, I, I'm thinking I just got through saying what about a week or so ago, this dude is probably going to get fired. I'm not saying that that's still not going to happen, but at least for one week, 
that defense made him proud and they got a W. Speaking of underdogs getting W's, Bills at the Jets, the Jets, they just put some sauce on it. Sauce Gardner. I mean, that dude, he, he's the real deal and he's just a rookie. I, last week, I thought Buffalo was going to blow out Green Bay. That's what I thought. I was watching that game covering, you know, with one eye covered. You know, I didn't want to, but Green Bay had more fight last week than they did this week. And Buffalo, they kind of took their foot off the gas and was kind of, you know, it's, it's like they were going through the motions, maybe somewhat cocky, you know, and they caught up with them. It was 14 to three at one point, what, second quarter? And then the Jets defense turned out the lights. The Jets now are six and two. Vikings at the Commanders. One, two, three. You like that? I know you did. <laughs> Can you see Kirk Cousins? They got that 20 to 17 win on Sunday. Ah, and for a minute, I'm thinking, okay, they're down. Now he's hurt. He's on the sideline. And look, a couple hours later, he's dancing shirtless on the plane with chains around his neck. And boy, did you see Adam Schefter. I did. <laughs> Somebody get that man a shirt. Please, he, was, he had the shades on. Talking with his microphone. You like that? You know, doing the little the little dance. That was hilarious. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the 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 Vikings and the Bills. They face off next week in you know Minnesota, and the Vikings are now seven and one. I mean, Baby Favre. They they had they had a chance to win the game, and they just I mean they just need to make a couple more plays. But Taylor Heineke, excuse me, he, he's probably the quarterback going forward. I would have to say that. Carson Wentz is probably going to be the backup. But they seem to really respond to Taylor Heineke. Sometimes your quarterback isn't the guy that you think that it should be. Sometimes he's right up under your nose and been on your roster for the, for the longest. All right, so I'm going to make this one quick. Raiders at the Jaguars, y'all got to do better. It was 17 to nothing. Y'all look good. Um... And then Jaguars just embarrassed y'all. They came back and they beat you. How does that happen? You know, I mean, how does that happen? Yeah, I know the Raiders are better than that. They have to be. That's all I got to say. Afternoon slate. So it was only, what, two games in the afternoon. So the Seahawks and the Cardinals, all I would say about this one, in the words of Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson, go Hawks. Proud of Geno. Geno Smith and um, Kenneth Walker III and running back. He's not giving up that job. That was my first thought. It, you got hurt. I don't even remember the back. I mean, that, the now backup running back's names right now. But Kenneth Walker III is the starter, period, going forward. And he should be. He should be the starter. If he's not going forward, I'm just, I mean, what? You, you see this kid can, can get the job done. And that plus the balance of you're throwing the football the way that Geno Smith is, taking care of the football, and you still have, uh, for a minute, I'm thinking, uh, you know, with Tyler Lockett and with uh, Metcalf on the other side, okay, they're not going to get the ball a whole lot. This dude is not, and I'm just so glad he's proving me wrong. Proving me wrong. Cardinals, they're in trouble. Bucks <laughs> hosting the Rams. Have you ever seen the movie Man on Fire? Denzel Washington, John Kreese, he once said, revenge is a dish best served cold. Down 13-6 in the fourth quarter, looks like the Bucs offense, they're not 
going to, they're not going to do it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I actually turned the game off. I did. I, I turned the game off, and I think we ended up having to go to a service that night, and I was slick, you know, peeping the game during service. <laughs> and I'm like, this did not just happen. So in fourth quarter, they scored 10 points, and with, what, a minute left, <laughs> the great one himself, Tom Brady, he drives the Bucks down for a game-winning touchdown with nine seconds left to go, and I mean, and they got that win. He becomes the first quarterback in the history of the NFL, playoffs included, throwing for 100,000 yards. That's a lot, man. He does play. He He's played a lot of years, but that is a lot of yards. Sunday NFL countdown, I mean, and I'm glad somebody else said it because you have Randy Moss and you got Hasselbeck and you got Brutus on there. And, of course, Coach Ryan, they're saying that they need to run the football. The Bucs need to run the football. But all of the highlights, and I know they're selective, but at the same time, you're kind of showing the truth. All the highlights show that they cannot block up front. They're not able to run the football for a reason. And that's because their line is not playing well at the point of attack. And they can run the football. They can't. I mean, Brady, again, they said during countdown, he's on pace to have a career high in the, uh, passing attempts at the age of 45, that is. And he threw 58 passes on Sunday. Why? Because they averaged 2.6 yards on 21 rushes. They can't run the football. What else? What, what else are they supposed to do? They have to throw it. If you can't run it, got to throw it, right? Anyway, the Rams, Stafford, he came in with more interceptions than touchdowns. He left with more interceptions than touchdowns. He's got seven touchdown passes this year and eight interceptions. Tied for last. And they can't run the football either. Cam Akers, people were taking him in fantasy football and, you know, one of those backs that they wanted and it's not he's not the one. Please. Not happening. Sunday Night Football, Titans at the Chiefs. So, if you watch Sunday Night Football and this is your first time seeing the Titans game, this is what happens every week. This has been happening for like the last four or five weeks. Except the Titans have actually won the game. The defense pulls a rabbit out of their tail and they actually win the game. Mm -mm. Did not happen this week. This is what it's like. This is what it's been like a majority of the season except they played the Chiefs. And what? I think it was, what, 60-something passes? Patrick Mahomes threw over 60 times Sunday night. That's a lot of passes. That's a lot. That's a lot. And they can barely run the football either. So there you go. But um, the Titans, they can't score in the fourth quarter. That's their problem. And like I said, the defense normally bails them out. But when you have been on the field for 90-plus plays, that's not good. At the end of regulation, I think the plays, as far as defensively, the Chiefs defense was on the field for 44 plays. The Titans were on the field for 91. That's before overtime. And I told you that Titans fans know this. If Derrick Henry runs the football 20 to 25 times, they have more of a chance of winning. I think he finished with about 16 or 17 carries. He had 90 yards after 10 carries, uh, 9, 10 get carries, had over 100 after 10 carries, I think it was. And I don't know what happened. Seven carries for 22 yards, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, seven carries, 22 yards for the robot. And Derrick Henry, I mean, 
and uh, Willis had minus two yards passing. They weren't ready. They weren't ready. Ravens at the Saints, Monday Night Football last night. For a minute, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a defensive battle. That's not what it was at all because, uh, I mean, the Ravens have all of these injuries as well. It's kind of like the Packers. The Packers have a mash unit. Um, and I read, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let, let me go back to that for a second. So, you know, I, I read a tweet um, by Rob Gamoski. He's a uh, Green Bay sports reporter. And he tweeted out, the Packers must be out of walking boots and crutches. Aaron Jones, the running back, he had his left foot in a boot. Romeo Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs, the, the rookie receiver, right foot in a boot, plus crutches. And then Eric Stokes, right foot, 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 <laughs> right foot in boot, plus crutches. Good God almighty. And I'm thinking the same thing about the Ravens because they lost Rashad Bateman for the year uh, to injury. And they're down all of these running backs. But they still get the job done. They still get the job done. They beat the Saints last night, 27 to 13. The Saints, they couldn't move the ball, you know, enough. And the Ravens did their thing. They made plays when they needed to make plays. Coming up next, message to ownership of professional teams. When your window is open, you need to take advantage of it. Stop being cheap. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. So we're moving right along. Um, when the AFL was born in 1960, it didn't take long for the Buffalo Bills to find success. And they did so under their second head coach, Lou Saban. He's not related, like I used to think. He's not related to Nick Saban. I used to think that, that was Nick Saban's daddy. No, nah, that that's not. No, they're not related. But he took over in 1962 for Buster Ramsey, who had yet to have a winning season in his first two years. Well, just give you a little short history of the Buffalo Bills. Now, 1962, they went 7-6-1. All right, 63, the Bills made their first playoff appearance. 64, they were 12-2. They won the AFL championship over head coach Sid Gilman and the San Diego Chargers. All right. Uh, repeated in 1965, and they shut out the Chargers. Uh, this time, 23 to nothing. In 66, they had a chance to appear in the first Super Bowl, but they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs 31 to 7. All right. Lou Saban, he was coaching some pretty good players, some great players. He had quarterback Jack Kemp, fullback Cookie Gilchrist, uh, defensive tackle Tom Seastack, and Hall of Fame guard Billy Shaw, who was the first player to be elected 
into the Pro Football Hall of Fame to play his entire career in the AFL. I think he was there from 61 to 69. Okay, of course, the AFL and NFL merged in 1970. So it is to be noted that Saban left the Bills after that 65 championship, and the Bills were coached by Joe Collier, who only lasted until 1968. He was excused after just two games and a 4-10 record uh, in 1967. So, you know, there you go. The Bills of 68, they finished that season 1-12-1, earned the number one overall pick in 1969. That draft, they ended up with O.J. Simpson running back from USC. So, the 1970s, the Bills were kind of up and down. All right, Buffalo, they only made the playoffs once. And that was in 1974 as Lou Saban had returned. This, after they had only gone through only four head coach changes. So that Saban, who was actually the fifth, and truth be told, Simpson was really the only bright spot for Buffalo in the 1970s. 1973, you know, he had the 2,003 yards, the first running back in history to run for over 2,000 yards. And I remember uh, watching, uh, it was a Super Bowl memories, it was um, the, the story of the 1973 Miami Dolphins, I think it was, and them talking about them playing against the Dolphins, I think, that year. And they, weren't, they really weren't trying to win the game. They were trying to run the football so OJ could get that record. That, that's what they were. They weren't putting the ball in the air at all. They were trying to get OJ that record, and they did it. But for all his personal success, and it, that landed him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame eventually. But the team was not as great. It just wasn't. It just it underachieved really. So during that same period of struggle for Buffalo, the Los Angeles Rams were being coached. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner by Chuck Knox kick the music of course we've talked about Carol Rosenblum and the trade with Robert Ursay who bought the Rams and Carol Rosenblum was uh, the owner of the Baltimore Colts they swapped straight up plus some cash well the results Rosenblum and the Rams they made the playoff five straight years you know with having Chuck Knox there and of course they continued that after they replaced Knox with Ray Malavese um, three straight NFC championship games so close, all right? 1977 marked the end of an era. O.J. Simpson was traded back home. They sent him packing back home to the San Francisco 49ers at season's end. And in return, the Bills received five picks. The 49ers gave, uh, they gave Buffalo their second and third round picks in 1978, their first and fourth round picks in 1979, and a 1980 second round pick. The results, these are the players. Defensive end Scott Hutchinson and wide receiver Danny Fulton in 1978. Uh, also, 1979, first pick overall, number one overall, out linebacker out of Ohio State, Tom Cousineau. And then in the fourth round, they picked up a defensive end by the name of Kenny Johnson in 1979. 1980, that second round pick turned into running back 
Joe Cribs, right? In 1980 and 81, Buffalo Bills, those teams, they got the franchise back to the winning side. But what was the problem in the 1970s, you know, going towards the end of that? Well, for one, they couldn't beat the Miami Dolphins. They had a mini dynasty, you know, from the early 70s going on throughout pretty much the 70s. They went to all those Super Bowls, those three Super Bowls. But the Buffalo Bills, you know, don't even talk about playoffs and Super Bowls. They lost an NFL record 20 straight times to Miami. That's not great. You know, what, what do they tell you to do? Well, if you pay any attention as a fan, they want your team to be built to first win the division and then to be able to go and beat everybody else. But you can't beat everybody else until you win your division. You got to get the playoffs first, right? And that's what they had to do. Well, two, they also... The offense was, was kind of, uh, it kind of had a split personality. Sometimes it was good and sometimes it wasn't. They couldn't run the football at times and then they, they, they couldn't throw the football on a consistent basis. At one point, they actually led the league in passing attempts with Joe Ferguson, the quarterback, but they weren't getting the results. There was no, you know, no return. In the early days of OJ, for instance, the Bills ranked number one. Then the next year they were nine, and then they were number three, and then they were number one in rushing offense. In OJ's last season in 1977, they dro- dropped all the way to seven. No, excuse me, 18th. They were ranked 18th in rushing. And although they improved in 1978, the Bills were last in the league in rushing the next year in '79. So. Another big problem, you know, Joe Ferguson, he was throwing a lot of picks. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns in his career. So that's not not something that you want to do. Um, but here we go. For his career, you know, that's that's what he did. Wasn't a terrible quarterback, but he cost them some stuff. All right. He cost them some games from here and there. But but number three, the defense was bad. Here's what they ranked out of 28 teams. This is from 1975 through 1978. Okay, through those seasons, this is what they ranked in points and the yards that they, uh, the points they gave up and the yards that they gave up. 21st and 24th, 24th and 23rd, 25th and 23rd, and 24th and 19th. All right, that's the last year in 1978. The offense needed a shot in the arm and the defense needed some playmakers. All right, they already had a future Hall of Fame guard. Okay, um, Joe Demelier. 1978, they brought in a wide receiver by the name of Frank Lewis from Pittsburgh. Of course, I mean, kind of, kind of wasn't, you know, the starter anymore after they drafted Swan and Stallworth. <laughs> so he, he found him another spot. Played his first what six, seven years in Pittsburgh. Then uh, 78, they also drafted running back Terry Miller, who was fifth overall in the first round. He was a thousand-yard rusher that year, but still was not good running the football. 1979, Ken Johnson from Knoxville College. He was a pass rushing specialist who had speed. Okay. Then they also acquired from the Rams six-time Pro Bowl linebacker Isaiah Robertson. Then they also had wide receiver Jerry Butler, who proved to be very, very important, starting opposite of Frank Lewis. And then a nose tackle who was a consummate all-pro by the name of Fred Smurlis. All right, and then also you had a defensive end who was he had been there since 73 named Ben Williams. We'll get to him in a minute. So, 1980, 1980, they won, the Buffalo Bills did, for the first time in their history. 
But you know what? You know, let me back up for a second. So they bring in Chuck Knox, and Chuck Knox actually had, I mean, he was a good coach. You know, he, he was a co very good coach. Um, but he and Carol Rosenblum clearly weren't uh, getting along. I read in one place where uh, now we, we love to call him Ground Chuck because he loved to run the football, right? Well, you know, it was one of those things where Rosenblum said that his offense put him to sleep. So, I mean, but it was getting them to the playoffs. They weren't always getting over the hump, but they were getting to the playoffs. Um, but they bring him in, and, you know, the, the Bills end up improving, you know, going forward. That's what happened. Uh, between 77 and 78, the team was actually on an upward trajectory. So, 1980, they finally win the AFC East. They have an 11-5 record for the first time ever, especially since the merger, okay? Joe Cribs, he turns to a pro bowler. Not only was he a pro bowler, he was a starter in the pro bowl. He had 1,185 yards and 11 touchdowns, and he added 52 more pass receptions out of the backfield. Uh, Butler, he was a pro bowler as a receiver. Ben Williams, he had 12 sacks, all right? And then they added some really killer safeties. And I don't know if you even know these guys, but let me introduce you to Steve Freeman and Jeff Nelson. The production that they put together, Freeman had seven picks and a touchdown and over 100 yards in returns. Nelson was five games a starter and only played seven games that year. He was out because of some injury. Five picks and he had a touchdown and 81 return yards. Samerlis, he was a first team all pro, six and a half sacks. Very hard to, to block. Demelier, the guard, the all-pro guard, yeah, he made it again that 1980 season, the future of Hall of Famer. And then left guard, Reggie McKenzie, as well as Ken Jones, these two linemen were all AFC, okay? So not to mention that they brought in a former Super Bowl champion by the name of Phil Villapiano from the Oakland Raiders. He stayed there from 1980 to 1983 to finish his career, four years. The defense finished third in the league, okay, and they were number one in yards. So you see the, the improvement in that team. That's the reason why you're 11 and five. Problem is, when they got to the playoffs, they ended up losing to the San Diego Chargers. We talked about the Chargers and that Eric Coryell offense. It got them that day. Uh, they lost in the divisional round 20 to 14. They were up 14 to three at the half and they got outscored 17 to nothing. And that was their season. I mean, it ended way too quickly. All right. 1981, though, turned out to be a way more magical year. Well, 1981, it was record wise, they were a game worse. Okay. They were only 10 and six. They finished third in the AFC East. How'd they make the playoffs? They did. Well, they. Oh, well, let's just put it like this. Miami, who was 8-8 eight eight the year before, they ended up finishing 11-4-1. The New York Jets were 10-5-1. Buffalo was 10-6. They all three made the playoffs. Then the Central was won by the Cincinnati Bengals, who had the best record in the AFC at 12-4. And the West, the AFC West, was won by the Chargers. They were 10-6. A lot of tight races there going, right? Well, if you fast forward to Week 12, a Hail Mary, uh, put uh, the Bills, not only did they beat the New England Patriots 20-17, Ferguson <laughs> to Roland Hooks, the running back, that actually helped put them, you know, keep them in, in the race in week 12. And I think they were 7-5 at that point. Well, 
Then it goes to the playoffs. Playoff time, okay. They're in. They have those pro bowlers again. Uh, they have the great team uh, that can make the run. The defense is playing really well. And, okay, so what happens? First week, well, first playoff game, the wild card round, they, they are playing against the New York Jets. And they win that game 31-27. to And the crazy thing is they actually came in as a three-point favorite the Jets did uh, and I think at one point the uh, Buffalo was up 31 to like I think it was like 14 or 31 to 17 and uh, Richard Todd he had to pull a bunch of rivals out of the hat to try to close the gap but it was just too little too late and Frank Lewis had a really big game that day uh, having seven catches and 158 yards and two touchdowns so you know it's they, they did what they needed to do, and they got that win. So then they have to go see the 12-4 and Cincinnati Bengals at Riverfront Stadium. So after the first quarter, the Bengals are already up 14 to nothing. And what are you thinking? All right, it's probably going to be blowout city. No, no, no. Joe Cribs and the Buffalo Bills, they end up tying the game at 14 just after half. And the last... Uh, touchdown he scores is a 44 yard I went and watched the game I went and watched especially the second half because it was just interesting to see that stuff you read about it but you want to see it and that's why I love YouTube and watching NFL films you know when they do have stuff on NFL Network but I had to go fish for this one and they actually had it on there and um, it was really really interesting to see that and I actually talked to Joe today uh, Ken Johnson and Joe Krills, they are real good friends. The problem was that on that 44-yard run that he scored, he actually had hurt his knee. Uh, he said, I talked to him today, and he said he didn't know what he did to his knee until he said he felt something, but he got up, you know, he kind of jumped around or whatever. You know, you see him with, raise the ball up in the air and he's celebrate because he's, as he's going into the end zone, he's tackled there at the end. Uh, by one of the defenders for Cincinnati and he falls in the end zone okay he gets up you're thinking okay he's, he's all right he says he goes back in I think it was the next drive that they had the ball again and he, he had felt something he said he felt something on the sideline and he just kind of came back he felt like it was a ligament apparently he strained a knee ligament he went back into the game and at first carry that he had he said they ran a dive in the middle and he said he just he just crumbled and, uh, it, and, and he, he was done. He had gotten hurt. And then the other running back, I think it was Roosevelt Leaks, they're down both of their starting running backs now. I mean, but um, amazingly enough, the Bills are still in this game. The Bengals go up 21 to 14. And then the Bills tied up on a 21-yard touchdown pass to Jerry Butler from Joe Ferguson. They tied at 21 in the fourth quarter. And so it's like, wow, you know, then the next drive that I watch, I see that and my boy Ken is in the picture. He almost gets a hand on this pass pass from Ken Anderson. Chris Collinsworth, uh, the young, fair haired, not yet uh, <laughs> football analyst and play by play announcer. He runs a, a little shake over the middle. And the defensive back falls. He catches a clean ball. It was only his second catch of the game. And he scores on a 16-yarder. And the Bengals are, are up 28-21. to 21. They exchange punts at one point. The Bills get the ball back with about 
258. Okay. At one point, it is fourth down and four. They are in the huddle and they get out of the huddle. And I'm going to read this straight. Uh, this is according to Dan Flattery of the sportsnotebook.com. And I quote, trailing again 28 to 21, they the Bills were driving late in the game and facing a fourth and four. One of the most infamous moments in franchise history, if not NFL playoff history, <laughs> happened. Infamous, okay? Lou Picconi, all right, I think I said his name right. He had caught only five passes all year. And when he ran a short out to the right side and caught this one from Ferguson for the first down, it was the biggest moment of the little wide outs career. And it would be nullified by a delay of game penalty, one after a timeout, no less. Buffalo now had to convert a fourth and nine, but couldn't. The season was over. They had just taken a timeout with 2.58 left to go in the game. They took too long in the huddle, and the snap was late. Obviously, Dick Enberg and Merlin Olsen, they both kind of said it was because of the crowd noise from Cincinnati. Fourth and nine, you know, first it takes a shotgun snap. And he goes deep down the middle. Again, rolling hooks, trying to go deep. The hook's in the back of the end zone, and it just fell incomplete. And I, it's crazy. I, and, and I read a New York Times article where they talked about it, and Ferguson said, Man, I always pay attention to the clock. I'm never not paying attention to the clock. But this time, I didn't. I just didn't. And I was telling Big Ken about this. And uh, I said, yeah, Kenny, they was in the huddle. And he said that he did hear somebody, may have been one of the linemen, say that we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Because they knew how much time was left on the clock. They took a 30-second timeout. And then you come out and then you still got the play clock. And... You, you just took too much time. Crowd noise was probably deafening, okay? So they were getting loud. And if you watch that game, you can kind of tell. And he just took too long. He was trying to, you know, call out the play, and they lined up. But it was just too late. He should have been looking at the clock. And he didn't. Boom, bang, pow. Season was over. Just like that. And that team went deeper than the one the year before. It was, you know, a play away, a couple plays away from, you know, going to the, at least – vying for the AFC championship. I'm not going to say that they would have won. Kenny says that they would have won. And it's part of me that believes that they had a chance to win that game because the second half, for the most part, I mean, it was kind of tit for tat, but, you know, the defense had turned it up a notch. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. And it would be another six years before Buffalo would not only have a winning season again, uh, but they would actually make the playoffs. So Chuck Knox last year as the head coach was the next year in 1982. You know, they finished with a four and five record during that strike shortened year. Cribs again was great. Okay, he started six out of the seven games that they played. He averaged a league leading 90 yards per game. But there was a problem. Money. Money always getting in the way, right? Owner and president Ralph Wilson, along with GM Stu Barber, weren't exactly trying to break the bank paying their best people. And word on the street is that, yeah, they were they were cheap. And obviously this was the case. Now, starting with Chuck Knox, uh, he and owner Ralph Wilson, they could not come to a contract agreement. And he just wasn't willing to do it. And that's how Chuck Knox ended up becoming the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks in 1983. But he was also tempted to go back to, uh, to the Rams, which he did at the very end of his career, if I remember correctly. But he would coach the next nine years 
with the Seattle Seahawks and got them to the playoffs four times. Helped turn them around. So, I mean, there you go. Now, Joe Cribs, well, I mean, things ended a little bit abruptly for him. Uh, and it should he should have been a Buffalo Bill. Uh, and in my opinion, I think he should have been a Buffalo Bill for life. But he ended up in a, uh, at one point, in a lawsuit against the Buffalo Bills. Because um, he ended up, he, he was not getting paid more than his backups. And this guy was really outplaying his contract. You've heard that term before, outplaying your contract. This dude was about 65%, almost 70% of the offense. Yes, you have Frank Lewis and you had uh, Butler, you know, as the receivers. Um, and Joe Ferguson, I mean, he was he was the game, he was the game managing quarterback. Uh, he wasn't great, but he, like I said, he wasn't terrible either. He was kind of middle of the road type dude. Long as you don't turn the football over, we'll be okay, right? Uh, I'll do respect, but Cribs was not only running the football, but the guy was catching balls out of the backfield. He was one of those dual threat guys, and he returned kicks too, so punts, I believe. And he was not getting paid. And Wilson and Barber, they weren't trying to break them off. And I read an article where he talked about that, and he basically said that he was kind of uh, immature at the time. It's basically what I gathered from it. Because it, he, they was like, no, we're not, you know, renegotiating your contract, blah, blah, blah. He ends up going to sign with the USFL, with the Birmingham Stallions. And he goes and plays with them or whatnot, and he, he signs a big contract and gets paid. But before he did that, apparently the bills had come to him saying, okay, we, we can do this. We, and he said he was like, nah, you, know, you should have came earlier. And he goes back. And I think the whole big hoopla about the the contract dispute and the, the lawsuit and whatnot, well, you know, they wanted to basically keep him from going and signing there. And so he won that he won that lawsuit and he ended up going to play with Birmingham. But the crazy thing is he ended up going back to Buffalo. Um, he ended up being traded though by 1986, you know, prior to the 86 season to the San Francisco 49ers, just like his predecessor, OJ Simpson was. And uh, he stayed with San Francisco until 1987 in his final season he spent in 88 with the Colts and then with the Dolphins and then he was done. Um, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, that sometimes you got you got to go ahead and pay these guys. If you really think this coach is good, you need to pay him. If you really think that this back is that important to your offense, you need to pay him. You know, did you see Lamar Jackson the the um, the story that they did on Lamar and he's holding up the sign? You know, he's his own. His mom's his agent, and whatnot. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly a fan of that, but okay. You know, do you? Um, if it works, it works. He's betting on himself. Uh, last time that happened, yeah, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. He got paid, but after that, yeah, his career just went <laughs> went out the door. Um, I don't think, believe, or, or you know, I don't believe that would happen to Lamar. He's holding up the sign, basically, you know, pay, you know, pay Lamar, you know, pay that man, and they need to. They do need to break him off. Um, but I mean, it's just one of those things that ownership they do have to be wise i understand that but sometimes there's some people that you should be keeping you know what i mean you should uh going back to linebacker tom cousin though we talked about him during the draft earlier in april right show that i did back in april he he's he signed with the montreal alouettes of the cfl because of money he came back he ended up being traded to the browns uh the bills 
um, had gotten, because uh, they still had his rights, they got the 83 14th overall pick and a pair of 84 selections in exchange for his services, for sending him um, to the Browns. They got those, and those that 14th overall pick in 1983 turned out to be their next great quarterback, Jim Kelly, who also opted to play elsewhere. The USFL, <laughs> the Bills would get good again. Obviously, when Kelly finally returned to Buffalo in 1986, you know, when Cribs was let go. But that's another story. That's it. References thanks to ProFootballHallOfFame.com, ESPN.com, ProFootballReference.com. Also, I really love the stories they do on this. The SportsNotebook.com, the game-by-game narrative of the 1981 Buffalo Bills, Dan Flattery. NFL history articles and sports history articles. Also, buffalobills.com. Where are they now? Joe Cribs won AFC Rookie of the Year honors for the Bills. That was written by Jim Gaiman, uh, January 1st of 2003. Also, the 1981 Bills NFL films. And also, the New York Times Bengals beat, excuse me, Bengals defeat Bills. <laughs> yeah, tongue twister for me. Bengals defeat Bills 28-21, and that was the newspaper article written by William N. Nan- uh, Wallace, Nance. William N. Wallace, special to the New York Times, January 4th, 1982. This has been the Behind the Mic podcast. Again, this show is presented by Bell Hill Sports. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr., Bell Hill Sports Podcast Network, BellHillSports.com, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show. You know I work for Federal Express, and I will find your house. I'm out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 